0: I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out
1: there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And AD is on the way. He, We got news that he's expected to play tonight against the Brooklyn Nets. He's probable coming off an a MCL strain and we're going to discuss what it means to reincorporate him. Darius, I obviously having Anthony Davis back is a good thing. There's no other way to uh, quantify it. But I do think that there are some challenges along the way and maybe some changes and adjustments that come with bringing him back. But this is the healthiest the team has been all season, getting him back, D. And so what are your thoughts with uh, AD on the horizon?
2: I mean, just in general, I'm I actually just have more questions than answers at this point. Like AD offers a certain amount of certainty in terms of his own presence on the court. And I always say that the other team tells you who you are as oh, yeah. a player. And it's one of the ways that I look at the game, Mike. It's it's like the other team tells you, if you're a good offensive player, guess what? They're shading help your way or they send double teams. And if you're not, then... They're laying off you and they're letting you do whatever you want out there because they don't deem deem you a threat. And AD, I think back to like the Bulls game where they basically swarmed him all game. And they're like, yeah, you've gone off the last few games before this one and you're all they got right now. It's like you and Russ. And so we're cutting that faucet off and we're doing it because we're sending the whole team at you. So the other team tells you so i expect other teams to still sort of pay anthony davis the attention that they're going to pay anthony davis because that's who he is as as a player but i'm much more interested and i have much more many more questions just about how how things actually flow within the context of the game and what they look like possession to possession in terms of where he's stationed on the court um what times what types of actions the team is running um And all kinds of other stuff, because like we saw with Carmelo, Carmelo missed a few games. When you bring a player back, there's all the things you expect. And then there's things that's just like, oh, I didn't quite expect that to look like that. Now that this ingredient is is back into the fold. So, Mike, for me, that's kind of where I'm at. I know that you're a big proponent of like the star system. Stars guide you through an NBA season and the more of them you have, the better getting AD back is, is super important, obviously, but what's your perspective on like where he fits and is he going to be more adjusted to or adjusting
3: in from your perspective? I think the first thing for Davis is that he was, he was at least a little bit better than the narrative was about him this uh, mm-hmm. earlier this season. And there was a lot of criticism and, And I think that it was more the well, I don't don't want to say more, but part of it, at least, was the circumstances that under which that he was playing. And he still dominated several games early, including several that LeBron missed. And he was really solid defensively almost every game. He was terrific finishing in the paint. He was leading the league in paint points for a while, kind of going back and forth with Giannis, depending on who had played more games. And the, th- the thing that wasn't really happening as much is that his jump shot wasn't falling, at least to the degree that it was in the bubble, which I think not just for him, but for almost every player is never going to happen again. Those were particular circumstances that were going to help jump shooters. So that that narrative part of it, I think, is, first of all, important. Now, we've spent some time P talking about, you know, maybe he added some muscle and uh, to play a little bit more center. And therefore, he was a little bit different and sort of in frame frame wise than he had been in prior seasons. And, you know, I haven't gotten in watching him play two on two. It was a little hard to tell, you know, what that, what that for sure is going to look like. Um, I'll be very curious about that, but I'm just, that's the first thing I want to do in talking about Davis. And so, yes, he's not going to be in amazing shape right away, but he's going to be a hell of a lot better than almost everybody else in the league. like Right. When he sets his foot on the floor, um, whether a jump shot goes in or not and, Like I, I said last thing, but I'll add one more thing. Just watching Kent Bazemore like try to score on him in two on two (laughs) when they would get switched over, Mm -hmm. Bazemore just kind of keeps looking up like, "This sucks, man." (laughs) Yeah, yeah. One of them shots (laughs) went over
1: the backboard, (laughs) like he had no chance. Yep.
3: Yeah, so you know he's got that still.
1: And. Lord, if we missed that, that's really what's dropped off more than anything in his absence is the defensive end of the floor. We don't have anybody who can replace him or come close to approximating him. If you squint your eyes, there's, there's no like, there's no replacing Anthony Davis in what we do. And so that size and athleticism and kind of paint domination is something that's really needed on both ends of the floor. Now I thought that we. I thought that we learned some things about the team, even defensively without AD, that you know, we started switching, we've switched more Vogel talked uh, after the last game about how the small lineups have been struggling with his system. and So they've been switching more with that group, which I think is the natural kind of balance for those groups. It makes sense that a small group would not defend the rim as well if you're funneling toward the basket, But the, but having AD can... Kind of cover up so much defensively, Darius, that I think in some ways long term and again, this is you know a uh, glass half full type of approach. I think we learned some things about the team's defense that a d was covering up prior to that became more of a glaring issue. Talk to me about the defensive end and reincorporating him on that end because that's the that's the end of the floor where it's pretty much entirely good there are no downsides to or or no like problems to work around at least the way that i see it
2: yeah i think that that's right the the interesting thing is is that big players have trouble switching a lot but so actually let me back up because i want to get to a point about switching specifically but we'll get to that in a minute ad i think allows the lakers to go back to and allows Frank Vogel to go back to basically playing some more of his preferred defense
1: more And being often. more effective. Because we've had these first halves where we've ran it a lot. And it's like 62 points to the Orlando Magic, 69 to yes. the Miami Heat before we make that adjustment. We shouldn't be giving up that many points with AD. It's important for me to point this out. And this isn't to like crap on Dwight
2: Howard or anything like that. But Dwight Howard is not the same caliber defensive player that he was in the year that he was here previously when the Lakers won the championship. He's not moving as well. He's not as active in his drops. He is just not the same caliber of defensive player. Dwight did not play enough minutes, but he was playing sort of, if there was like a third or a fourth team, all defense, like Dwight would have been played sort of near that level. He wouldn't have played enough minutes to qualify, I don't think, for for any of those things. But I'm just talking about sure. caliber. Fifteen like, minutes
1: of really good center traditional five defense. Yes, yes.
2: Of of like drop coverage. I am I am navigating this at an elite level and understanding what all of my responsibilities are. Dwight Howard was doing that wonderfully. Two seasons ago. And this season, the drop off in foot speed and athleticism is noticeable. It's noticeable when you're watching live and it's super noticeable on tape. Like the angles that he's now surrendering are just different. And those angles are being taken advantage of by... Offensive players, like there were a couple of plays against Indy where Brogdon just like went left on him and was just like, hey, look, the gate's wide open. And it's because Dwight was laying way below the level of the screen in order to compensate for an angle to meet him at the backboard where Brogdon's just like, well, I'm just going to shoot a six foot runner like this is easy for me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so there's been so much more of that with Dwight. A.D. is so much better than that. That playing drop coverages with him is going to look worlds different than it has with Dwight Howard. And it's even gonna look different than with like LeBron when LeBron's sort of even active in his drop as well, because AD's just a bigger, like a bigger player with more length. And he has the ability to play higher up in terms of like that vertical plane off of a vertical or a backpedal than even LeBron does, right? And so first thing that I wanted to mention is just that, is Vogel wants to play drop coverages. He wants to do it with a starting group. He's going to be able to do it at a way more effective level now with Anthony Davis. And so I want to just kick that point back to you guys at first about, like, Frank's got to be super juiced. About just like the prospect of of being able to play these coverages more effectively than what he has been, because let's face it, he doesn't want to switch the entire game. He doesn't think that his personnel can do it over the course of 48 minutes. And now having a, a big man who can drop and play
3: drop coverage like this, it's going to help. The defense just overall. This also goes back to not just not just Frank Vogel being excited about this, but I think LeBron realizes better than anybody else. What like Pete was saying earlier that there isn't anybody that can approximate what AD does. And that's true. But the guy that can come the closest is LeBron, except that it requires a ridiculous level of additional effort based on what else LeBron has to do. And so you could see him do that, you know, for a couple moments in the fourth quarter, or even sometimes if, if the Lakers really had to win a game, he might come out in the first quarter looking a little bit like Anthony Davis defensively, where he's flying all over the place and he's protecting the rim and he's switching on the perimeter and, and he's just turning off whatever water um, is on that, that really needs to happen. So there, that stuff I think is, is a massive relief for LeBron thinking like, yeah, this was the plan. Let me first read LeBron's quote yesterday. Uh, I mean, anytime you get a talent like that coming back into the lineup, it boosts our team not only physically, mentally, spiritually, everything. Getting a big time player like that on both ends of the floor, like I said, it's no pressure when he decides to. He's ready or when the doctors, the staff, on us, but we look forward to. So it's a it's a generic quote to some extent, but but nonetheless, like physically, mentally, spiritually, all of these things are big. Mm-hmm. And Pete, you had sent me a stat about LeBron in AD uh, that uh, that I will. I'm trying to remember what the record was, but you, or how many games they had played together? What was it?
1: It was 97 games. Yeah. So since Valentine's Day, which was when Anthony Davis injured his knee against the Denver Nuggets last season. So that was February 14th, 2021. The Lakers have played 97 games and- They've had both LeBron and AD. It's funny, Mike, you know, your, your uh, chorus, your re- refrain of we have LeBron and AD. We always talk about the LeBron part and we always talk about the AD part, but we never talk about the and part. Yeah. Over those 97 the games, the Lakers have had both LeBron James and Anthony Davis for just 23 games over the course of those 97 games. So yeah. let's go. To like, break. What do you guys
3: think? What do you think is going on?
1: Right. Like the whole, the whole thing's built on that. So like yeah. it kind of makes sense in a lot of ways that, that, yeah, that the results have been what they have. Let's take a break. Come back. I want to discuss the type of player that we're looking for A.D. to be because he is that shapeshifter that can be so many different things. I think we have a better idea of what the rest of the team is now and what we need from A.D. Do you accurately pointed out that AD bulked up and I, I think in anticipation of playing more five this season. And I think it's robbed him of some of his athleticism, at least earlier in the season. And some of the I think it, it's and I think it's been harmful to his jump shot mechanics. Reportedly, he's been working on his jumper during this time that he's been out as well. I have a great preference, and this is part of what we learned, I think, during this time. I have a great preference for AD the athlete over AD the big man. And I think AD has a preference to be more of that athlete and a big wing than a big. And one of the things that worked well during that period of time was when LeBron was engaged at the five defensively. Now, the engaged part is super important. But I think that we have a look, at least, where LeBron is still at the five, and it's AD being out on the perimeter deployed. This is something that Frank Vogel said that he loves about having AD in the drop. He was asked by Jovan earlier this year, before the season started, well, what is it about having AD at the four that you love so much defensively? And he's like – He's this weapon we can deploy all over the place that isn't engaged on the ball screen and can just blow things up all over the place. And so I think that it may not be a all the time that they play together and there's probably a mixed kind of hybrid. But as AD returns, I'm looking for less of AD, the big man that's going to bang with Steven Adams and guys like that, and more of AD, the athlete that's running the floor, that's flying around the perimeter – perhaps switching some more with with him as well. So that's the type of guy I'm looking for in return is somebody that can run with the team and really assert his athletic dominance in that type of way.
2: I mean, I'm hopeful for that. That's what I'm hoping for, right? I think we have to be realistic with what our expectations are based off of what he's looked like previously this season. Now, Mike, I think is totally accurate and fair to point out that like the narrative on AD was kind of skewed, too negatively certainly and i think there's context even to some of his lackluster performances in terms of like look man look you asking me to be atlas over here Mm -hmm. with the world on my shoulders defensively Mm -hmm. and i might just let this world roll off my shoulders a few times because you know what like i'm not going to be able to do this every single time and if we're going to grant lebron james That same leeway, even though LeBron is in year 19 and a billion minutes and everything else like the ask is to ask and nobody wants to be asked to do everything around the house. Right. And (laughs) be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I cooked dinner and washed the dishes like, oh, like and then I vacuumed and then I folded the laundry. It's just like, oh, well, yeah. You know what? This time I don't think I'm going to cut the lawn, too. Right. So, So sorry about that. There's only so much that a single person can do on any single defensive possession. You and got a lawnmower, Darius? No, I do not have a lawnmower. We oh. have a push mower because our lawn is really small yeah. in our place. And so I actually have to push this thing. You push it, and then grass flies everywhere. There's like no thing. And so it's just like, like Mother Nature's making it know. rain with all. So you can't do it during the spring because it's like you better have 15 Claritin with you because all you're just <laughs> kicking it all up, like all up into your face. Anyways. It's a bad look. Fair enough. And and so AD was having to cover up for everyone, right? And that idea of, yeah, I think he was getting tired of that, honestly. Yeah, sure. You saw it on his face. Sure. It's, and, and so that said, it's just like, yeah, Pete, I want him running around, jumping around, like looking like prime AD, the guy that the Lakers got from New Orleans. That was also like a deep playoff run and... And Achilles injury and 15 pounds of muscle a go. And so yeah, I want the bouncy, springy dude who is catching lobs and running the floor up and down that looks like he never gets tired. I want that guy too, right? But I think we have to, to hold back on that some. That guy's certainly not going to play in Brooklyn right like if he does i'd be no 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 not the first game back after no of course but but i'm just saying that like tempering sort of where we are with him i think is important that said we've talked a lot about the north star that should be ad's north star the idea of what this team needs from him that's exactly it because that is the formula for all the different formulas that we've talked about oh lebron ad and role players or like defense and funneling and this this that and the other no the real formula is give me two 6'9 plus super athletes that can play at the top of the square on both sides of the floor who have an inordinate amount of skill for players that big. Give me two of those dudes and I'll happily figure the rest of it out.
3: Yeah, I'm not that concerned right now if AD is all-star AD versus all-NBA first-team AD. I, I just – I'll start with the all-star one. That's fine.
1: Uh-huh. Coming back.
3: Uh-huh. And and so I'm not going to worry about if he doesn't hit every jump shot and if he isn't like quite as springy, right? Like it's still such a massive boost and it's going to let, I think the Lakers know just how serious they really can be now uh, after they see this for a little while. So what I'm more curious about Pete is who plays around him. Do we see the, do we see the no bigs, the no big Island thing, which Frank Bogle has teased before? Right. So maybe we can come back and get into that, like who's going to start with them? What should the rotations be and how does that impact this team so that we get a real actual sense of what their title
0: chances could be?
1: So yeah, I think all these things are tied together. Who plays alongside Anthony Davis can help facilitate the type of player we need him to be. Ideally, AD is more running and jumping and less banging and physicality and kind of engaged in ball screens and that pick and roll type of uh, type of stuff. But then it becomes a question of: well, what do you need around him to if AD is going to be more on the perimeter and banging less, you still have to cover for what's going on inside. That's where I think that obviously LeBron, but also Stanley Johnson becomes really important. I think having athleticism, you know, the idea is to start Trevor Ariza and for him to be that big wing alongside LeBron and AD. That's something that Vogel said specifically was, was the plan, is to have that bigger type of wing. I just don't think we covered Ariza in yesterday's pod. I don't think that he moves around well enough to do that. And I think that if AD is going to be more out on the perimeter, Darius, which isn't to say that that is what's going to happen. I'm just saying that that whole weight of the world on his shoulders, I think was in part because he had to do so much in the paint specifically. He had to bang with those guys, had to win those battles because nobody else could. The other part of that is we had so many forwards out specifically when AD was the guy carrying the load. It was LeBron and Ariza and THT on a team that didn't have enough forwards in the first place. We didn't have Stanley Johnson at that point. And so Having those guys behind him to cover that up, I think, could facilitate more of that perimeter weapon type of thing rather than him being so needed in the paint. Well, one of the things that was happening too, Pete is that the
2: Lakers were getting forced into switches that they didn't want to switch onto, And AD was ending up on the perimeter in like on possessions where the other team was targeting him for that, not because they thought they were going to win a matchup with Anthony Davis on the perimeter, but because... With all the forwards out, there was no interior size. And so it was almost like, like, oh, yeah, go ahead and try to fight over this screen. We're just going to bully your guard off of this screen. We're going to force a peel off switch. And now AD is on the perimeter. And now he has to recover again right? And get back to the paint to do that dirty work where he
1: didn't even have position to begin with. There was a game against San Antonio where that was pretty much their strategy, exactly. And it was because the other guys around AD were like Avery Bradley, Malik Monk, uh, you know, other short players, Russ, obviously, they're all short. And so Have DeJounte Murray shoot a 20-footer over Anthony Davis, who cares if he makes it or misses it because that's Thaddeus Young and Jakob Pertle down there banging with Avery Bradley and Malik Monk. Like, you're going to win that in in the vast majority of circumstances, even if Murray misses that jumper.
2: That idea of getting to the perimeter – is going to be easier for him honestly, even if it is Trevor Areza down there trying to hold his own against another six nine six six ten dude because at least Areza's going to battle there right that's not a guard that's that's where Ariza, for all of the stuff we talked about yesterday, some of the stuff he's doing off the ball is still useful, and finding a body and boxing out and getting there early those are things that he is still doing mm-hmm. he knows how to play, yeah. Yes, that's not a 15 foot closeout right from like, oh, I was perimeter and now I'm paint and now I'm back to the perimeter. Like that's the stuff where it's like, oh, my goodness, Trevor, you got
1: to run. You might know you, you, he knows he has to do it, but the body don't always. Yeah.
2: One of the things that Mike to to get to some of the points that you were talking about, about like who play plays with him. And Pete, You you brought this up, too. It's like I think he can't. I'm interested in seeing what Ariza looks like next to Anthony Davis versus what Ariza looks like next to Dwight
1: Howard. That's a fair
2: point. Right? And I'm interested in seeing what Stanley Johnson looks like next oh, to Anthony wait. Davis.
1: Oh, just run. Just, just run, run, man.
2: Yeah. Run. That'd be, mm. And so I would imagine the Lakers keep their same starting lineup this game, except Anthony Davis is in for Dwight, right? But so – That'll be fine. I'm great. I'm more interested in seeing what do those bench units look like now that you have AD back? Because Vogel, one of the things that he'd done really effectively this entire season in the 15 games that the three stars have played together is... There was almost never a stretch where only one of them was on the floor by themselves. It was almost always both both of them or all three, right? So all three would start and then Russ goes to the bench and then it's LeBron and AD. And then Russ comes back, LeBron goes to the bench, then it's Russ and AD. And then Braun comes in and then it's like Russ and Braun. And Vogel was doing that over and over and over again. And so it's those it's those bench units where does Frank go big? Again, with like Russ, A.D. and Dwight, does he play smaller and have it be like Russ, A.D. and like mellow? And just having A.D. be another pillar of these lineups, that's where I see just his presence on the floor really helping out some of these bench units that there shouldn't be any more survival units is, I
3: guess, exactly. what I'm pointing to here. Well, and this is also the player that will maximize what Russell Westbrook does the most. And Mm -hmm. that's something I know that both of you guys have talked about is that when Russ doesn't have that lob threat or that kind of that big that's going to be funneling towards the rim on his drives, he's just less effective because teams are going to simply back off the whole way. Just ride it back the whole way and know that Russ is not always going to finish at the rim. And now if you you have to, it's it's like the inverse of the play that I always think about from the finals of AD against the Heat. Like when Dragic is driving into the rim and, and AD is able to recover on, what was it, Bam or somebody else, and then and yet still be there so that Dragic mm-hmm. can't get the floater going. Like this is sort of the inverse of that where now Russ is driving down the paint and if you close, Russ is so explosive, unlike Dragic, that if you don't actually get there, Russ can go all the way to the rim. And sure he'll miss a couple, but then AD might be there for the putback. And mm-hmm. Dwight hasn't had that level of pop. And even if, again, even if AD Pete is not yet to that full Full on or skinnier AD, he's definitely got that in the bag. So that's just one action, but it's a thing I think that maximizes Russ. And then, you know, that can change the way the team has to play defense against the Lakers because we're also forgetting then that LeBron is in a much better rhythm Mm -hmm. than he was earlier in the season when AD was actually doing that stuff more.
1: Yeah, we've certainly figured some things out about the team in that time between when that happened and now. And so now it's a matter of application. AD coming back, the team is so built. I mean, it's a three star, it's a three max build. And so it makes sense that, especially if one of LeBron or AD are out, that the team would fall off precipitously. And one of the reasons why is we spend so much focus on the starting lineup, but that group that you brought up, that you guys both brought up and, and the reasons why like the Russ and AD combo work together and, and why those will be better minutes is you're going from Carmelo Anthony at center. In some of those groups to Anthony Davis at center, you could not possibly have a wider swing at the five spot defensively, which is your most important defensive position. We were given up. I'm sure you've looked at this more than I have, D, but the defensive rating with Melo at the five is in the 120s. It's like historically bad because, of course, it is like there's no... Frank, why aren't you getting more out of Carmelo Anthony at the five type of, you know what I'm saying? Like there are things that you can do to minimize the damage, but you got to have, have the guys and those units in particular, the Russ and AD units that Mike was just talking about. I think that those are when AD is in the game in particular. And and LeBron is not. Those are groups that I think have to have a little more offense, and which also means that those groups are probably the ones where AD needs to cover for somebody making a mistake a little bit more. But like a Russ, Malik, Melo, AD, and then your fifth maybe being Stanley Johnson. Sorry, I'm going to bring up Stanley Johnson as much as I as much as I can for the time being. But that's a. That's a squad right there. And all of a sudden you go from these survival groups at points of the game at the end of the first quarter and the third quarter. How bad have we been at the end of quarters lately? Yeah. A big part of that is because we don't have Anthony Davis when well, LeBron is on the
2: bench. Pete, I would say, too, that it's like the samples are small, but Russ Dwight AD with like two shooters. So like, oh, mm. it's it's Ellington and Monk. It's Reeves and Monk. Those have been super effective, too, right? Yeah, because big, if, if you're going to have that Russ plus two bigs build, you've got to make shooters. up for that. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. it's, it's got to be shooters. Yep. But what I'm saying is that AD is a linchpin and a path to playing different styles. Yeah, and doing it well. And yes. doing it well. And, and so the Lakers cannot effectively play big without Anthony Davis, they play these like LeBron and Dwight lineups. And it's just like, okay, well, where's the pop at the second
1: big man spot. It's not there. It's not, you don't have much of a vertical threat within, within that. Yeah.
2: And then you play these super small groups and it's just like, okay, well, these groups can't really defend the way that we want. Like they can switch and they can do, do some things. And we should have like a whole segment and a half on like switching and just what the team is doing defensively from a switching standpoint and the variables that are a part of that decision-making. Because mm-hmm. I think it's super important that we understand the Lakers are switching. They're yeah, switching it's a like, fair the, amount. It's more like when do they switch and why do they switch? Yeah. When are they doing it? Why are they doing it? And what is the threshold within the decision-making exactly. within that? Yes. Those are That's all a super important conversation that we just haven't had yet. Yeah, we'll get into it though. Yeah, But – ad allows you to switch more if you want he allows you to switch less if you want he can play in big lineups and be super useful he can play in small lineups where small is still like hey that's me and lebron james right yeah how small are you really yeah and that whole idea of like we can be anything we want to be that shapeshifter idea that only works when you've got like more than one of those guys. One dude isn't going to say like, oh, well, now we can be anything we want. No, you probably need two guys, both guys who can play up or down a position if they need to. And that's basically characterized LeBron and AD their entire careers. Like LeBron could be like, yeah, I'm a small forward. I'm a power forward. Now he's like, oh, I'm a center. I'm a power forward. I could even be a wing, right? Two seasons ago, LeBron was a point guard. AD's like, oh, yeah, well, I'll play center. I'll play power forward. Oh, you want me to guard your big wing? I'll do that. Yep. All of those things combined to be like, okay, well, anything you guys throw at us, we have a palpable solution for that. And if AD's return means anything to me, it's just the return of that balance. It's like one piece of the triangle has been gone and it's just like you can't balance on two legs when you were supposed to be a triangle it's like you're going to fall over every single time and and so that pillar is now back it's going to take some time it's not going to be smooth at first but thank goodness this dude is going to be back in the lineup
3: the matchup specific with brooklyn which is of course what we'll be watching after listening to this is a little different because durant's not playing and since we're in Brooklyn. Kyrie Irving isn't playing, which means a healthy dose of James Harden ball. And the Lakers are familiar with James Harden ball. It looks a little bit different in Brooklyn than it did in Houston, but not that much. And I'm just curious to see how AD is deployed in that context. And I do the, the guy that I think of first Pete is Stanley Johnson as in terms of the guy that I want on Harden for as much yes. as possible.
1: And he did that a little bit on the Christmas game, which was his first game with us.
3: Yeah, so that's that's interesting to me. And if Stanley doesn't start, then how much, you know, what are you doing with Harden? There are you are you putting Bradley on him some? Are you putting Russ on him some? Are you putting Ariza on him a little bit? I mean, it's there isn't none of those is ideal. So the one that is ideal is Stanley, and I wonder if if they just come right out of the gate and kind of recognize that. And say, let's just start Stanley on Harden because this is the biggest problem that we have to shut off. Brooklyn's got some problems. They're not. They don't have a good answer for LeBron. They don't have a good answer for AD. They just don't. Even if they're fully healthy. So well, Claxton's out too, right, Mike? Yeah, Claxton's out, and, and and Claxton is Claxton is really good as a big that can kind of that can you know move his seat in the perimeter, but you know they're they're going to struggle with those guys. So I'm more curious, and this is what Frank Vogel has been much better at. I think that people give him credit for. If you just give him one defensive problem to solve and he's got personnel, he'll solve Mm -hmm. it.
1: Mm -hmm. He'll solve it. Yes, he will. Yes, sir.
3: That's what I'm curious to see right, right from the jump here on Harden and what they do.
1: I would be surprised if we started Stanley, even though that if we were playing them in a the seven game series, Mike, I think they might. But I think that that idea of lineup continuity that Vogel mentioned over the course of this weekend, I think they're going to want to build out some degree of like, this is who we are and what we do. And there are evaluations that are always ongoing with the with Johnson, with Austin Reeves, all sorts of guys that I'm sure that it's not necessarily always going to be the same thing, but I would imagine that we don't start that way, but I'm right yeah. there with you in terms well, of uh, kind
3: of, they kind of want to, they probably want to the way that frank has been talking about ariza they probably want to give him a chance with this group you know like next Mm -hmm. to ad and see if he's a little different there and see if the things that he does serve as a better compliment when that player is ad and not dwight uh, when you need him to do less basically but you're then the things that he and by doing less it doesn't mean necessarily that he's not as useful because he's just he's using his brain more than he would be using his physical gifts uh in in that sense but Yeah, that's – I think you're right, Pete. I think they probably go with a reason here.
2: And just one last point about AD that I really wanted to bring up, and I forgot about it earlier, is just he's another dude with backline communication that is going to really help align your defense in in a way. Dwight and LeBron are really good at that too, but having another guy when – those lineups that don't have Dwight or LeBron, which they've had plenty of those this year, right? When you're talking about the Melo and then the Areza. those dudes are not typically backline defensive aces that are basically like, I know every team set. I know where to position everyone. Like Melo's been really good at scramming guys out of screens and calling out ice and everything else in terms of like that specific type of coverage when, when he's been in in drops but ad is like at another level when it comes to that and there's a been a certain amount of organization the team needs defensively as well that um ad is going to help with as well and getting his legs up against a brooklyn team that's maybe not quite as there with all of their guys like harden and mills like that's going to be tough but i'm super anxious to see what he brings to the table tonight
1: i'm so excited to have him back I hope we see more of him as the roller than the post guy. We didn't get a lot into the spacing concepts and rolling versus posting and all of that in this show. Perhaps we'll cover that tomorrow after the game. This is it though. This is the time, time of season where it's, it's go time for the Lakers. We're two games out of the six seed uh, held by Denver right now, which I think is what I have circled in terms of where. I think that's our path to going to where we want to go, is to get to that number number six spot. So today's today is the first game of the rest of the season, Darius. Oh, man. <laughs> As we always say, we will be back tomorrow to cover all of that here on the Laker Film Room Podcast.
2: James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Kip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good,
3: That next for the winner. It's on the left down. No! Kobe Bryant, 48 points, 16 rebounds, back with his eighth block shot that ties an NBA Finals record. A lot of Lakers fans stay okay, around so for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed—a Laker to get MVP chance right, in, in, in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me, Kobe? hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal! Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's, There's the move. Two, Two score,
0: score, one. miss it! Unbelievable. One the It's over. I got gotten out of five. Bryant. Yeah!